Welcome to the Fearless Health Podcast with host Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Dr. Barter is on a mission to help people achieve their health and wellness goals and help men and women live their best lives fearlessly. Dr. Barter is the founder of Alternative Family Medicine and Chiropractic in Denver and Longmont, Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Fearless Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and today, one of the biggest issues that I see when a patient first presents into my office is they generally have a neurotransmitter imbalance or deficiency. It sounds a whole lot worse than it is, and, and we'll get into that in a bit. But people think that they're broken, they're unfixable, and that this is just the way that they have to live. I'm just a little more sad than most people, or I'm just a little bit more anxious than my friend over here. That's just the way I was made. These are my genes. It's actually incorrect. Let's first start off with what neurotransmitters are. They're basically the way that our body communicates, right? It's, it's our body's chemical messengers. And they're molecules used by the nervous system to transmit messages between neurons and neurons to muscles. Okay, so they're really, really important. And that's the real techie background that we won't get into. But I believe that the single most reason that a patient who is motivated to do a diet but can't stay on, like, for example, we do a 30-day cleanse um, when patients initially come into our office. We, we will detox them out for 30 days. And one of the biggest reasons they can't stay on this diet um, and can't stay true to this is because they're really using some of these carbohydrate-rich foods and sugars to help with their neurotransmitters that are really low. So what happens is this turns into a vicious cycle, right? So you feel sad, you feel low, um, you just don't want to hang around anybody, you feel lack of motivation, boom, you eat sugar, you feel better, then you crash harder. Then, okay, then you crave more sugar to feel good again, and you crash harder. Well, so what I tell people is that they're trying to help themselves. That's why they crave these carbohydrate-rich foods or these really starchy foods is to make themselves feel better short-term, but then they crash harder than they did before. And so that is your neurotransmitters. And so when we'll see somebody feel depleted and fatigued and apathetic and can't can't muster the ability to work out. Or when that person lays in bed and their mind races through, oh gosh, I have to get this done tomorrow or that done tomorrow. And they can't turn their mind off when they want to relax. These are not symptoms of being broken or being incurable or needing hard-hitting anti-anxiety, antidepressants, or antipsychotics. These are just based on our stressful lifestyles our blood sugar imbalances, gut issues, and all kinds of other things like toxins that will deplete our neurotransmitters. And so then we're left with this feeling of anxiety or lack of motivation or an inability to finish tasks. And this is how people get stuck. And they really, really firmly believe that something is so wrong with them and they can't be fixed without going on an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety. That is 100% not true. Okay. So 
if I see somebody that comes into to my office that has that feeling of not being able to get out of bed. So for example, if they come in, they're completely depressed, hard for them to get off the couch. All they want to watch is TV, uninterested in seeing friends and family, just feel kind of meh. The neurotransmitter that we're dealing with in that situation tends to be serotonin. And serotonin is our happy neurotransmitter. It's our happy molecule. It just, it, it makes us want to see people, get into activities, makes us want to um, be happy and be creative, right? And serotonin tends to really, we tend to really have a problem with serotonin, especially in the winter, because we need light to secrete some of the serotonin. So um, we have people fill out a form, and the form is actually from a company called Apex. And so there's a variety of questions that we ask. Um, and so some of the serotonin questions are, and, and let me just preface this. Um, you may have some, but not all of them. If you have some of them, generally you have a serotonin imbalance. You don't have to have all of these for this to be you. You're losing pleasure in hobbies and interests. You feel overwhelmed with ideas to manage. You have feelings of inner rage or anger. You have feelings of paranoia. You feel sad or down for no reason. You feel like you're not enjoying life. You feel like you lack artistic expression. You feel depressed in overcast weather. You're losing your enjoyment for your favorite activities, losing enjoyment for your favorite foods, losing enjoyment for your friendships and relationships, difficulty falling into a deep restful sleep. You have feelings of dependency on others. You feel more susceptible to pain, unprovoked anger, or losing interest in life, right? And some of those are clearly more extreme than others. But some people just feel a little bit more apathetic or they're not enjoying life like they once were. And so what we want to look at is what could be causing that serotonin issue? Um, what could be causing the deficiency there? right? And, and how do we boost that up? And occasionally short term, I will plug away and help with neurotransmitters. But at the end of the day, you want to really see what's depleting it or what is causing the main problem, okay? Something else that's really interesting that I also see clinically is patients with IBS or fibromyalgia um, or OCD also tend to be pretty depleted in serotonin. And they kind of it's the root cause of like, what is the cause behind that? So if you have somebody that is struggling with every aspect of their life, their relationship, their job, their outside hobbies and activities, and they just don't feel interested to do that. And then they know what makes them feel good from how they eat, from an eating or diet or um, perspective, and they're just totally apathetic about doing that. They're, um, they're losing interest in anything that keeps them healthy, keeps them happy, and all they want to do is just veg out and be alone. You should really think about serotonin. Um, so I have a case um, where I had a patient that struggled with a relationship, a job, wanting to do activities. Um, that she once loved and staying on a healthy diet. 
And there would just also be fits of anger just out of nowhere. And it was, it ended up to be a pretty major serotonin deficiency. And this really happened when the weather started changing. Um, we went from fall to winter and the days got a lot shorter and, and less exposed to sunlight. And so um, we had to figure out why that serotonin was decreasing. In this particular case, 90%, well, in general, 90% of the serotonin is made in the GI tract. In this particular case, this person didn't have the cofactors to make serotonin and also had a gut infection that was robbing the body of serotonin. So you think about it. If you need bacteria to make these neurotransmitters and you, and you have an infection in there or you have improper bacteria, you're not going to be able to make that. And so when you get stressed out or life becomes stressful or you have blood sugar swings, which we all do, you know, and most people think, oh, I'm not diabetic, so I don't have an issue with that. It's actually untrue. A lot of people have issues with blood sugar. So you have to get to the root cause. And in most people, it's not just one factor. People want to figure out the one thing that's causing their neurotransmitters to be off or the one thing that they can take to make their neurotransmitters feel better. But it's more like a Band-Aid. If you just give neurotransmitters long-term, you never address what the problem is. It's really no better than just doing an antidepressant long-term. So in this particular case, what we ended up having to do was clean out the gut. And then there was also some environmental toxins this person was exposed to that created issues and then stabilizing the blood sugar and fixing the diet again. In the meantime, to keep this patient on the diet because it was such a game changer. Uh, we, I ended up needing to do short-term serotonin to get, get everything boosted back up. And now this person has been able to get a new job, loves a job, loves a relationship, etc. And so it just really transformed um, this person's life. So I think what I really want to drive home on this is that anytime you're addressing neurotransmitters, it's always a multifactorial approach. It's never just one thing. Okay. And, and I think that this is so important to cover, you know, when you have depression, these people are motivated, but not really motivated to follow or stay on a plan. They want to, but they can't. And so it's meeting them where they're at. If you hand a depressed, a depressed person, a 30-day elimination diet, they're going to have a really hard time with that and not be able to stay on it. So when we really see this deficiency, a lot of times people can't stay, stay on what they feel like is healthy eating. And then we will also see binge eating is another real big trigger um, that people have serotonin deficiencies. But in 99% of my patients, when they initially present, a lot of people have issues. And when you think about it, you think about the amount of people that are actually on an antidepressant to stabilize or to boost their mood. It's a really high percentage. And, you know, again, that's a serotonin deficiency. And when we think about an antidepressant, an antidepressant isn't really changing the serotonin levels. That's why you need it so much. It's just keeping more serotonin circulating, right? So you're never boosting your serotonin levels. That's a misnomer. And that's why antidepressants are so hard to get off of. But ultimately, if you could figure out what the cause is, also give the cofactors or um, to create these neurotransmitters, 
you ultimately tend to feel better. And most people definitely have deficiencies in the cofactors. Let's say a huge percentage. I've even seen, you know, toddlers have deficiencies in the cofactors that only did some behavioral problems. And then also killing off any sort of gut infection or environmental exposure, which by the way, most of us have, and stabilizing the blood sugar to get these people into a good place, right? So um, another neurotransmitter that I think is so, so, so important is dopamine. Dopamine is critical. And I see a huge amount of deficiencies with this across the board. You'll definitely see um, a sense of worthlessness, lack of motivation, inability to finish tasks, need to consume caffeine to stay alert, hard to increase muscle mass, loss of interest in sex, overall loss of libido, and get sweating attacks. It's just fluctuating mood. You can also see fits of anger or rage. And so all of these things are dopamine deficiency. And again, the same things that deplete dopamine deplete serotonin. So it's a pretty similar list. But again, a huge amount of the population is dopamine deficient. And again, that's really coming back to our gut infections, to our blood sugar dysregulation, to our environmental exposure. We're exposed to 70,000 chemicals every single day. That's a lot. And a lot of those are not studied to know how they're going to affect our body. So we don't have the full spectrum. But what I will say that I see a lot of, is I see a lot of mold um, here, and I live in dry Colorado, right? Um, but mold tends to be a secret depleter of dopamine, especially black mold. Um, so, and, and mold may or may not leave your body, or you may or may not be reactive to mold, okay? Some people have the genes to be more reactive to mold than other people do. So, let's say you lived in a moldy house for, you know, a year. Is that enough to have a problem with mold? Absolutely. The research has actually said that the duration of time that we're exposed to mold doesn't make a huge difference. It's just if we're sensitive to it. So a percentage of the population has no sensitivity to mold. There's a percentage of the population that has a high sensitivity to mold. That means that they walk into a grocery store and there's mold somewhere in the grocery store. They may get dizzy attacks or... Um, they may feel really fatigued or get a pounding headache or get a skin rash that suddenly comes out of nowhere. And that's highly sensitive. Most of us, I feel like, fall in the middle. And I feel like most people are pretty sensitive to mold. And it is a mycotoxin, and it is generally carcinogenic when we're talking about black mold. And so we see this, that black mold disrupts dopamine severely. So um, let's say someone's living in a moldy house. They tend to just not want to get off the couch when they get home, tend to not want to do anything. They just don't have any motivation to move forward. And so it tends to be more common than you would think um, that mold is actually an issue um, with dopamine 
dysregulation. Um, so I think that that is actually at the root cause a lot of times of dopamine, as well as the other things that we've talked about. So I personally had a severe dopamine issue, and, I, and I'd like to tell you about my story a little bit. I, um, I moved into a home that um, was in a premier area of town, and I got this great deal on it. I think you should be suspicious anytime that happens. So I moved into this house, and um, the house just came with a host of problems. But anyway, I just started feeling more and more fatigued when I lived there. I occasionally would cough, like maybe a couple of times a week. Uh, my skin itched a little bit. And just when I got home, I would just be so tired. And I remember getting to work one day and I love what I do. Absolutely love it. And I'm so grateful every day that I get to do what I do. And I just sat there and felt like I couldn't get it together to do what I needed to do. I think some people would call it a panic attack. It wasn't really a panic attack. I just wasn't functional to be there for anybody else is almost how I would describe it. I what I didn't have enough motivation to do it. I sat there and I said, you know, something's not right here. This seems like a dopamine deficiency. And I took a, I took a little bit of a dopamine supplement. And in like 10 minutes, I was fully put together, a full day of patience, just breezed right through. It was in a great mood, was happy. You know, but every time I came to work in the morning, I really struggled and, and I was struggling with this. And then I would stop on the way home and I really wanted to get a chocolate chip cookie. Well, I preach health all day. And so for me, I'm like, I know that I don't need this. I know that I have a neurotransmitter imbalance. And I can't figure out why this just came out of nowhere. Okay. So fast forward, I left, I went away and I came back. And my house smelled musty. And I realized that there was a high level uh, likelihood that I had mold. Got the house tested. The guy came in and goes, well, this is the worst black mold situation I've ever seen. Okay. So the house got cleaned out and that was amazing. Um, and I felt better. And I had gained about 15 to 20 pounds during the time that I had lived there. and. That didn't make any sense. I had trained for a half Ironman, done all these things. I had run a half Ironman, but I was about 20 pounds heavier than I had ever been before and my clothes still fit, okay? So that indicates that there was a high level of inflammation, okay? So between the lack of motivation, the weight gain, the itchy skin, the intermittent cough, mild, mild issues, right? And then I started to see, oh, wow, I, I'm getting some Hashimoto symptoms. I'm starting to get some antibodies to my thyroid. By the way, Hashimoto's is the most common autoimmune disease. Okay. And I'm like, something is not right here. I live a really clean lifestyle. This doesn't make sense. I treat Hashimoto's every day. People get better. Well, high amounts of mold in my house. When I moved out, when they cleaned it out, anyway, I felt a lot better. I suddenly lost 10 pounds. The rest of the weight took a little bit longer to come off, like a couple months. And um, and then suddenly I never had another dopamine issue. And on lab work, actually show low dopamine in general, 
but I don't have any of the dopamine, the low dopamine symptoms, right? So it depleted me that much, okay? So I think it's just really important to keep in mind, you've got to find the cause of these problems. And my life changed substantially. And I think it's one of the things that I would like to yell from the rooftops, that mold is such an issue and is such a depleter of dopamine, especially if you're a highly motivated person and then suddenly this happens. Dopamine is so, so important. It's a pleasure system, right? And this is our enjoyment and reward system, right? You think about drugs when you think of that. You think about sugar. You think about all kinds of things that humans um, seek, right? So it also helps us with motor coordination. It helps us with attention and learning in the brain. We think about ADD. Think about dopamine, like what could be potentially be going on with this system. Animals will repeatedly choose dopamine over food and water in all the studies. That's how important it is. That's how powerful it is. And that's how good it makes us feel. So, you know, a little dopamine is great, but in excess, we also have problems with dopamine. So, you definitely want to make sure you're in the right balance. And there are tests that you can run. We generally in our clinic run an oats test or an organic acids test. Um, and, and why we like to do this is this kind of gives us a multifactorial approach. So we can look and see what's going on in the gut. Do you have bacteria overgrowth? Do you have a yeast overgrowth? Um, what could be potentially causing pathogens in the gut? Then we're able to look at neurotransmitters. Like what neurotransmitters are off? Do you, are you low in the precursors to make these neurotransmitters? You know, what's going on with that? You know, how is your vitamin and nutrient status? What does your antioxidant status look like? Are you trying to fight something off? Or have you been exposed to major toxicity? Are you able to methylate? We've heard a lot about methylation and MTHFR and how you use B vitamins. You know, how is that, you know, and looking at a whole variety of this, maybe see what is going on, right? So I just think it's really important to get the whole picture again and see. So I have a case study for you. I had a patient that presented um, to me with acne since she was 12 years old. She had a history of antibiotic use. She had a staph infection that was constantly behind her ears mono, inability to fall asleep, and using Adderall for concentration problems, an inability to, um, I said, I think, falling into a deep restful sleep. Um, and I think when you look at this case, what we had to do in this case was we had to figure out if she currently had a bacterial infection in her gut or if she had a, an active viral infection. She actually had both. She had a bacterial infection going on still in her gut, a yeast overgrowth, and, a, and an active viral infection. Um, she treating those things, and then we also treated her blood sugar, which was really important, and also treated her um, neurotransmitters, which was a game changer. Her husband came in and thanked me because I guess every time around her cycle or PMS, um, she was pretty mean to him. And so um, he would run and hide all over the house. So treating that to help, um, to help the neurotransmitter status and then helping to treat the PMS 
and everything was great. She was able to get off Adderall. Um, she didn't have the mood swings that she had had before. Um, she, her acne completely cleared up. Her sleep was completely deep and restful. And so when you're looking at that, you really want to put the entire case together. Um, something else she had in this case that I haven't really mentioned up until this point was she had, um, she had a low level of PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome or disease. Okay. And that is when your blood sugar gets so dysregulated, you make more testosterone. And so she was making a lot more testosterone and that was a big precursor to her skin. So we really stabilized out the blood sugar and then helped to bring those androgen levels or those testosterone levels down to help with that. How, um, so that was pretty helpful. Um, and we also did, uh, another neurotransmitter on this case because she also presented with high levels of anxiety. Her mind raced when she went to bed. So we treated her with the neurotransmitter GABA. And GABA is that kind of calming neurotransmitter. We think of GABA excess or not enough GABA. We think of Tigger. Tigger's like bouncing around, pound anxiety. You know, he's just busy. And so if that's how you feel when you lay down to go to sleep, that tends to be GABA. So um, just think it's so important to calm the mind down and to get deep, deep restful sleep because once you can do that, a lot of systems repair by themselves. Okay. So some of the symptoms of having a GABA deficiency would be to feel anxious or panicked for no reason, to have feelings of dread or impending doom, to feel knots in your stomach, feelings of being overwhelmed for no reason, feelings of guilt about everyday decisions, your mind feels restless, difficult to turn your mind off when you want to relax, disorganized attention, worried about things you weren't worried about before, inner tension or inner excitability. And so it's, um, I, see, I see GABA be pretty commonly decreased. Um, with a lot of people, there tends to be a lot of neurotransmitter imbalance with that. Um, so I have a case study with GABA. Um, I had a patient present that just felt weighed down with everything and just had tons of, of musculoskeletal tension all the time, was constantly stressed out. You know, you think about somebody that's super stressed and they're holding the weight of the world on their shoulders, right? That upper shoulder tension, that back tension. She was lovely in her overall, in, in her thirties and just overall good health, but emotionally felt very stressed at work because she started with a new manager and that particular person took a big interest in her personal life, just was kind of constantly hounding her. She just, she kind of felt violated and stopped, right? Um, each time this person would approach her, she would feel more and more anxious. And it happened to the point where she couldn't sleep anymore. So just until she could get out of that situation, because there was definitely a trigger where it happened, we stabilized her blood sugar because it was clearly that that was um, an issue, made sure that she was eating frequently enough and gave her GABA. And after we gave her GABA, she realized that 
all of her muscles started to relax. She wasn't as as tense. She could deal with this manager a lot better and not feel so threatened. Um, And she noticed that her mind stopped racing. And we only had to do one round of GABA and she was completely built up and fine. You know, and and since she's never come back down and never needed GABA again. Um, So it was that very, very stressful situation that really pushed her over the edge. And you have to think about, you know, what, what maybe is causing that to come down. You know, emotional stress does play into it, again, as well as your environmental exposures in which we are all exposed into gut infections, into blood sugar, you know, into our stressful panic lifestyles, into depleting our, the precursors that make all of these neurotransmitters. So if you feel like you need Xanax, it's a pretty good play that your GABA is really, really low. I've also seen something interesting with GABA. Um, sometimes if, if someone is really dizzy with all the anxiety and overwhelm, um, a lot of times I've seen GABA stabilize that, which is quite interesting. Um, so I think the neurotransmitters are so important And I just want to drive home on this episode that because you have these, you're not crazy. You know, 99.9% of the people that I see come in generally have a neurotransmitter imbalance. My job is to figure out, do you just need more of that neurotransmitter or something causing this to deplete? And occasionally it's simple as, hey, I just, this depleted because of a stressful situation and now everything's fine. And right back on track. Generally, there's something causing that to get depleted. And it's really important to get in and to figure out what that could be and what could be causing this to be low. And again, if you don't have much control around your diet, this is so important to look at. Again, the years of being in practice, just telling somebody to do a diet A lot of people can't be compliant in this day and age because it's too challenging for them. They fall off. They they cannot stick to it. It is way too challenging. So if that's you, I would encourage you to look into a consult uh, with a functional medicine practitioner, um, and you can give us a ring for that as well. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed learning with us today, please give us a five-star review, comment, like, and share our podcast with your friends and family. As always, if you'd like to learn more information about today's guest, please head over to fearlesshealthpodcast.com for links to their site and other educational resources.